And that all started with that moment when I got Lua and said, what do I feed this dog? listening to the Believe in Dog podcast. I'm your host and resident dog mom, Erin Scott. Not only can a dog be your best friend, but I believe a dog can be a healer, a teacher, and an inspiration. I can't wait to share with you stories of how the love of a dog is changing our lives and changing the world. This is Believe in Dog. Welcome to episode 57 of the Believe in Dog podcast. I'm your host, Erin Scott, and thank you so much for being here today. I am so excited for you to hear today's guest, Billy Hookman, the dog nutrition guru. But before we get started, I wanted to take a moment to say thank you and celebrate three years of the Believe in Dog podcast. And we just crossed a big threshold of 10,000 downloads. So thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. It really means the world to me. It felt like a really big risk for me to start doing this podcast because I wasn't used to putting myself out in the world in this way. And I guess I never just know if, if what's going on in my head and my heart will resonate with anybody else. And I just have to tell you that this is all completely blown away any expectation that I had three years ago when I started this. And if you're ever curious more about who I am and my story, you can always go back and listen to that very first episode. But basically, I was someone who didn't grow up with dogs, didn't really know anything about dogs, and really only got a dog because my husband, Tim, who was still my fiance at the time, he really wanted a dog. I joke that I was a reluctant dog owner. But suddenly, this girl Lucy, our very first brindle female pit bull, came into my life, and nothing has ever been the same again in all of the best ways possible. And so when I got this chance to sit down with Billy Hookman, who is one of the go-to people in the dog health and nutrition world, I was really curious, is he a lifelong dog lover? Is he somebody who grew up eating like the best organic food? And the answer to both of those questions might surprise you. And so I was surprised that I had a little bit of a kindred spirit in Billy that neither of us particularly grew up with pets or as dog lovers. We didn't get our first dogs until we were in our 20s and that we both grew up eating a lot of takeout and fast food. So Billy is currently the vice president of nutrition and communication for the Green Juju Company. He's involved in formulation, product development. He works with farmers, science education, and sales and marketing for Green Juju. And he frequently participates in expert panels. He speaks nationally and internationally from universities to conferences to public libraries to local pet food stores. He also serves on the board of directors for multiple organizations. He attends AFCO meetings, which are meetings of regulating the pet food industry nationwide. And he is a trusted pet health advocate that specializes in turning hard to understand nutrition concepts into plain English. 
Billy lives in Lancaster, Pennsylvania with his beautiful wife, Emily, his adorable daughter, Maple, and Huckleberry, the French bulldog with both the cutest name and the cutest little squishy dog butt that I may have ever seen. But I first got to know who Billy Hookman was probably going back five, six, seven years. And he used to work for this pet food company. And every, I don't know if it was every week, every other week, maybe he would do these live videos around 7 p.m. Eastern time, where he would answer all kinds of questions about the company's products and how they can help your dog or cat with health issues. And 7 p.m. is around the time that I would be driving home from work. So I can't even tell you how many nights I spent with the video pulled up and I'm just listening to the audio the whole way home and just trying to cram my brain with all of this knowledge. I have joked before that I am a total dog health nerd. And, you know, I'm somebody who, after losing my first two dogs, Lucy and Kalua, to different forms of cancer, I became so obsessed that I wanted to keep my dogs healthy, do everything as best as I could, as right as I could, as healthy as I could going forward. Because once you've lost dogs like that, you just know how painful it is. Now, I know dogs aren't going to live forever, but believe me, if there's something that I can do to keep them healthy and here with me, I want to do that. And it's really interesting how my journey with doing better for my dog's health has also been very intertwined with my journey of doing better for my own health. And so it was very cool to have this opportunity to sit down with Billy and sort of ask him about what his own journey has looked like with both his pet's health and his own health and nutrition. And we'll hear all about how Lua the Pug came along and made him ask the question, what is the best thing for my dog to eat? And more than 15 years later, Billy's still obsessed with answering that question and finding out what is the best thing for all of our dogs to eat. One last thing I wanted to mention before we get started is that there is a woman we're going to talk about named Jacqueline Hill. And Jacqueline gave Billy his first real job in the pet food industry. And she recently passed away in September of 2022, very unexpectedly. Jacqueline was just this brave and brilliant woman in the pet food industry. She was a trusted mentor and friend to Billy, which she's going to tell us all about. But you will hear, despite the fact that Billy and his wife might joke about him being a emotionless serial killer robot, uh, we get a little emotional talking about this. And I really appreciate him sharing his experiences and his memories of Jacqueline with us. So now let's get started. I'm so excited for you to meet Billy Hookman. So we are here today with Billy Hookman. Billy, how are you? Very good. I'm so excited to talk to you. I think so many people want to hear your story. So I always love to start out by asking about your childhood experiences. Like, for instance, I did not grow up with pets. I didn't have a dog until I was 25 and and didn't even know I was a dog person. So what did that look like for you? Did you grow up with dogs? Uh, well, we are in the exact same position. I only liked one dog in the history of dogs when I was growing up. I was definitely, we didn't have any pets. Uh, my brother had many, many allergies at the time. And so um, I was that person who, if I came to your house and there was a dog there, I would very much prefer that the dog be, you know, locked into a room or something <laughs> like that. Because I, I, Because I didn't know dogs, I viewed them really as unpredictable which I think a lot of people do, you know, in, in cases like that. And so, um, 
there was one dog I loved. His name was Bear, and he was a golden retriever at my grandpa's uh, farm. My both my parents grew up on farms, and my grandpa's farm, his actual his grandpa built, um, which is in Wisconsin, which is still there actually, and my uh, aunt lives in it. So there was a lot of dogs on that farm, some scary ones, etc. At least to me. Uh, but Bear was this very gentle golden retriever who would essentially just walk up to you and let let uh, let you pet him and you know etc. So I just remember that sticking out in my mind, you know, at the time. But I was very scared of dogs. I was actually scared of. Uh, on the flip side of that, there was another. There was a when I was like six or seven, there was a um, group of golden retriever puppies who didn't have their eyes open yet, and I was scared of them. So I was running away from them, screaming. <laughs> Because they looked uh, weird. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just, you know, puppies, all that. I thought, you know, they bite you, etc. So that lasted, you know, a really long time. And I never had a dog growing up, didn't have anything, you know, of the of the time. I think I, I got my first dog, Lua, at maybe the same time. Let's see, how old was I in 2006? This, this I'll have to do on my calculator while we're... Uh, <laughs> While we're doing this year, maybe I don't want to give my age away, but um, I got Lua in 2006, so sometime in my 20s, and um, that really obviously changed everything for me. So I also just have to ask, you said both your parents grew up on farms. Uh, What role, like, like, for instance, I grew up eating, like, the standard American diet. We were going through the McDonald's drive-thru all the time, like, since you're so known for nutrition, like, were you always from a young age taught about like what's healthy food or did you just eat whatever and then learn more about nutrition later? Uh, no, I did not eat very healthy. Um, <laughs> I mean, well, I should say this. My parents really did the best they could with the information they had, which was not great information at that time. You know, and it, it had people thought, oh, you know, breakfast cereal is great for you because they spray on the vitamins. So you at least right. get your vitamins, that kind of thing. You know, and my mom definitely to this day has a uh, a somewhat of an eye on nutrition. You know, I've convinced her of some other things. She she does drink whole milk now, so that was a that was a victory for me. Um, you know, but aside from that, um, no, I same deal. You know, little Debbie's in the in the snack cabinet and uh, diet soda, and I mean, we would do the the sit down family dinners when I was younger. Um, but the other thing too was. My parents, for most of my childhood, owned two restaurants, and so they didn't really like to cook when they were at home. And they were always at the restaurant, so they would, you know, always be doing that. And so we, I ate a lot of takeout as well, especially in my, you know, high school years and that kind of thing. Um, I grew up in a, in a small town, and Hardee's was the only thing open 24 hours, so we spent a lot of time there. But luckily, at that point, I was a teenager, so you know I could really eat whatever I wanted, and you know wasn't really setting myself up for success in the future. But you know, at the time, you know you can kind of do whatever you want, and you don't really see the effects. So, how did all this come about? How did Lua enter your life? How did you start learning about nutrition? Well, Lua is you know a perfect angel, and she ascended from the sky. And um, no, sometimes I feel bad for Huckleberry now because there's pictures of Lua all around our house, <laughs> like dramatic paintings, and you know. But he gets side note: he gets an advantage though because Maple now goes Hucky uh, and pets him, and Aww. that's a nice thing. I think that's the cutest thing in the world. But. Uh, 
The last non pet food job that I, or pet industry job that I had, uh, before that I was doing a lot of like restaurant management. So, you know, coming from my parents owning restaurants is just something that I kind of naturally drifted towards, but I didn't really like it. So the last job I had, I was the manager of Starbucks and, uh, so I got Lua and I did something you shouldn't do, which is buy Lua from a pet store. But I also didn't know that how dog, I, you know, going back to what we were talking about before, I had no idea how you buy dogs, where dog, you know, that kind of thing. So I was like, oh, it's a pet store. And I had no idea that you'd be paying way more and they're from puppy mills and, you know, that aspect of things. Um, so I got Lua and... I just needed to know sort of, you know, what to feed her. And for some reason that always stuck in my mind. And to this day, um, I, there's nothing on a daily basis that I'll almost rather think about in terms of, uh, I mean, I, I, I will tell you this, I got excited this morning because I got to do some research on this really cool new fatty acid that was discovered, which is an essential fatty acid called C15. It's in milk and it's very exciting. Like I, I, I'm like, Oh, when I get to work, I get to open my computer and look into this thing. Um, and that all started with that moment when I got Lua and said, what do I feed this dog? And I remember, you know, taking a lot of the same steps I think that people take in nutrition, but for me, it's a, really an obsession and people's brains work a lot of different ways. Um, and my brain focuses on very specific things like probably three or four things and nutrition is the thing for me. And I I'm lucky enough to be able to do it as a career, which I feel really fortunate for. And I mean, the idea that I get to wake up and go in and formulate pet products that go out to people all around the country is just crazy. It, it far exceeds what I thought my life was going to be. I, I had dreams about what my life could be and I've exceeded those dreams and, and that feels really cool. Yeah. Um, and there's been so many people who have helped me along the way and that kind of thing. But it all started with Lua at a pet store in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, where I was living at the time. And, and I will say this, when I, when I got Lua, everything changed in that I quit my job at Starbucks and I took a really, really low paying job um, at a dog daycare comparatively in terms of low paying, you know, when you quit something where you're making more money and, but I knew I wanted to do something in the dog field and I knew I wanted to take Lua to work with me every day. So I, I started taking her to, to work with me and really engrossing myself in that, just being around dog people all the time. And I also, in my own defense, had, had a Christmas fundraiser where I raised more money against puppy mills than it took to purchase Lua. So I feel like karma wise, I, you know, even that out uh, in regards to doing that. So it really started that. Um, she started that journey for I'm, for me. I remember being so poor at one point that I could only afford $2 frozen pizzas every night for dinner. <laughs> and I would still feed Lua the best diet, basically, that any dog has ever eaten. As long as I'm full, that's fine. But Lua gets, you know, the best possible thing. And so that's just so always something that's been in my mind. And, and Lua helps me translate that to, you know, my daughter who, you know, now eats, you know, I think I eat a pretty good diet, but I think, uh, maple eats an even better diet than maybe any human. So, you know, <laughs> Lua continues to help me the, to this day. 
<laughs> and so how did you end up pursuing working in the field of animal nutrition? You went from working in a doggy daycare to working for a really well-known raw food company. And how did that all come about? Well, I was working for a daycare in Milwaukee and then I moved to Seattle and ended up getting a job at this really awesome place called Great Dog. And I ended up working there for about five years. Um, even when I was still working for that company, uh, the raw food company, I still worked for uh, Great Dog. And it was still me taking Lua to work every day and, and doing a lot of things. And Lua was awesome, by the way, in the groups of dogs. Even when I was in the large group, you know, you're talking about like 50 dogs and, and a couple people in there. If two dogs were playing a little bit too rowdily and you wanted to kind of like, I don't know if rowdily is a word, but if you wanted to uh, break them up and just give them a break, I would, you know, kind of walk over to that area and she would actually run up in front of me and go between them you know, to, <laughs> to be like, okay, guys, it's time. And um, she's a little pug, so yeah, she was fearless. She, she was always very confident in any of the groups. Um, so I started working at Great Dog. And at that point, I was just working in the daycare and, and doing that. And I had a really good uh, friend to this day. She moved back to England, but her name is Jasira, and she was managing the retail store. And I, we would go together to something called the Adventure Park, which was where we take 25 very lucky dogs uh, in a truck out to this five acre park and they would just all day get to run in the woods and the grassland and in the mud and, you know, just be wild dogs for the day. So we'd go out there and we, we would have a lot of great conversations. And, and I remember saying to her, Hey, I, I think I have a lot to offer in the shop. I know about nutrition. I'm really passionate. If you could just give me one shift a week in the shop, I would, you know, I basically begged her to let me work, you know, retail pet, which she did. And eventually I just started working only in the shop after that. But, uh, we had, a um, we had a, uh, distributor rep sort of training day. And one of the reps there said, Oh, there's this woman named, uh, Jacqueline Hill. And she, um, Sorry. Uh, and uh, she's doing this thing with goat milk, you know, with raw milk. And I never heard of that before. And, and I don't, you know, hearing new products in the industry, there's there's few things that really excite me. You know, my my push at, to this day is to to innovate and to to bring new things to the market that are different. And this was something that was so different. I was like, oh, that makes sense. Let me check out this company. So I checked out the company and um, – learn more about it and started emailing with Jacqueline, you know, different particulars about nutrition and that kind of thing, which I still have those emails. And, uh, I was maybe like four, four or five emails. And then I said, you know, I have to work for this woman and this company. Um, and so I wrote her another email that was pretty long and about me myself. And I said, look, this is it for me. You have to hire me. So sorry, but you're stuck here. You have to hire me. Uh, she did for free. So I, I like to say like she did, but it, like, it wasn't like this, you know, it was a joyous moment cause I could get my foot in the door, but it was also working for free for two years. Uh, it ended up being about two years, but I remember the first time, you know, she advocated for me. We went, we met up cause she was going to be in Seattle and she said, I'll meet you and see if this is a good fit. And the distributor rep was like, okay, you'll drive out to these stores. And so I was like, Oh no, no, I don't have a car. You know, I don't want to have a car. Um, I don't even have a car now. Technically my wife does. Um, technically I own half of it, but, 
Um, I'm just not a fan of both A, environmentally, and B, they're just depreciating assets. So, you know, it's not, it's not like... You're not wrong. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but if we move to the country, which is our plan, I, that's, you know, that then something will have to happen. But, so I said, I don't have a, um, I don't have a car. And the, the sales rep said, distributor sales rep said, oh, it's not going to work then. Can't do it. And Jacqueline said, no, 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 let's give him a chance. So I like that he doesn't have a car. And so it was about, you know, a 35 minute meeting. And that was the first time me and Jacqueline met, which would turn into, you know, just a, a beautiful friendship over the years and, and her being one of my best friends. Um, we were very, when I went, me, her and her sister, um, who, you know, I'm very close with still, I'm actually going to, uh, dinner with her on out, out to some family stuff on Thursday. Cause she's going to be in uh, Pennsylvania, uh, Roxanne. But when we met each other, we were all sort of a hive, hive brain of um, the way we thought and what we could teach each other. You know, there was no training. They didn't say like, here's how we do things. We all had this, you know, whether it be formal or informal education. And we brought that into the mix together. And so that, that connection was so strong and so immediate that we... Um, you know, really just bonded over the years. And, and at the time there was, I think like five people who were kind of hired when I started getting paid to be territory managers and all of them eventually were not with the company. And I, I just kind of kept, I guess, moving my way up in how we were doing things. And, and the other, the other, you know, thing that allowed me to really do that too, was the trust aspect of it. There was immediate trust between Jacqueline and Roxanne and I, in terms of, you know, how we operated in that, that kind of thing. And, you know, one of the, one of the, um, I don't want to get too emotional here, but one of the things that, you know, Emily accuses me of being a robot, which is mostly true, but you know, it's <laughs> occasionally either a robot or a serial killer is what she, uh, <laughs> um, but, uh, one of the things that Jacqueline said to me, I don't know, maybe like a few weeks before she passed was she was like, she was talking, it was actually really interesting because she was talking about uh, the lawyer on their case had just randomly passed away. He was like, I believe he was my age, so 39. And he um, was actually crushed by a tree, um, tragically. Yeah. And she had a really strong connection with him. And, and a few weeks before she passed, she said, she was talking about what he was, you know, that he was a family man and that he, you know, uh, they were both very religious. So, you know, he, she talked about his faith and, and who he was as a person. And she said, uh, the only man that I admire more is you. I'm going to cry. <laughs> so it was one of those things where we just had a really strong connection, you know, at that time. So, And so you talked about how by the time you met her, you had already learned all this about nutrition. So you didn't like go to college for this. You're just kind of all self-taught, right? Yeah, that's the that's the crazy part is the, the the thing is about this kind of education is anyone can have it. Anyone can learn anything. It's all it's all free for the most part unless you buy the books or whatever you want to do. But you can learn whatever you want. There's no barrier there. There's no, you know, I run into that sort of like, well, what are your credentials thing uh, occasionally? which I'm fine with uh, my, my stance on that is like, I do this stuff 
And if you don't like that, then do other stuff. I don't care. It doesn't, it really doesn't matter to me. There's, there's no time when it, that, you know, the pushback on that, you know, pushes my buttons or anything like that. Cause there's so many options up there. You know, it's kind of like I used to do customer service, um, as a decent, you know, as a pretty big portion of my job. And, and someone might say, why do you put butter in your food? And I'd say, this is why. And then they say, I don't like that. Okay. Well then don't use it. I don't know. You know, what do you, what do you say at that point? Then there's a lot of options without butter, you know, that, so that's kind of how I look at that. But, uh, and even when you go into, um, formal education. So say Roxanne, who has a degree in food science, she didn't learn holistic food science. She learned conventional food, which gave her a great basis for, you know, what she kind of knows, but she then had to relearn everything she knew when she became more holistic. And it's a lot of the times it's the same things with, you know, with vets, all the vets I know who are, you know, deeply rooted in nutrition, all that nutrition training comes after their veterinary degree. And you, anyone listening to this has access to all that information as well. There's nothing that holds you back from that. And so, you know, I, I consider myself to be really proud to be, I guess, where I am based on, you know, that self-education, but it started for me. There's a book that I'll never remember the name of. And I wish someone would be like, I know what it is and email me but it was a blue book and I found it at Whole Foods and it was by two, I believe a woman veterinarian, maybe two women veterinarians. And then, but maybe it's just one and then someone else. Um, and it was a book about how to make your own food. And it was about, it was more that premise of like a carb, like rice or something, a protein veggies, and then like a multivitamin or something like that. Right. But like the, your basic, like home cooked diet that a lot of like, you know, veterinarians would do or something like that. So I remember reading that and being like, wow, I can actually do this. I can make my own stuff and, and really starting to experiment there. And then I would go to Barnes and Noble and I couldn't afford to buy the books, but I could afford to make it there and then open them all and take notes and, and, you know, do that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, read a lot of stuff online and started to get into studies and that kind of stuff. And, um, that's the other thing too. You can find all the studies online. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and so it just depends, um, in regard to that, but, and then obviously a lot of the education comes too from product development, you know, over the last 12 years, because you learn a lot about what you're specifically aiming to do, you know, about those things, you know, whether it's, you know, like I was talking about today with the, the C15 fatty acid in, in milk and, and figuring out how much is in milk and, and why does that matter and that kind of stuff. You know, it's targeted. So I, I don't claim to know everything about nutrition, but I do, you know, claim to know a lot about the things that I want to. It's not uh, it's not special to me. Anyone could do that. But, you know, it just takes being obsessed, which I am. So the company that you worked for, they're known for fermentation of their food, of their goat milk. And, you know, this was something like, again, like when I grew up, like I knew nothing about this. I mean, I think my mom made sauerkraut at Thanksgiving time that always smelled really bad. <laughs> but So to me, it was so interesting to start learning about all of this because that you know, you first came on my radar because you would do these videos where, you know, I don't know if it was like every week or every month, but you would be talking about all of these things. And I just learned so much about how to feed my dogs and what was important to look for. And so what, what did you learn about fermentation? Was that something um, that you started working into your dog's diet, your own diet? Like, can you give us like a fermentation, like little 101? 
Yeah, well, well, the best part about that time period was, you know, and, and still what I do today is to teach about nutrition generally. Um, because it's better that people know about nutrition rather than this is the specific brand. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason why is because what if that brand changes and then you have to do something else? You don't want to know about that brand specifically. You want to know about nutrition. Right. And anything I'm involved in is always going to go back to nutrition. So, you know, when it comes to, you know, working for Green Juju and collaborating with Kelly Marion on a daily basis, you know, we're always looking at nutrition first. And so that's why I teach nutrition because I'm never worried about, you know, someone, you know, not knowing that's associated with with what we're doing. So fermentation is just something that over the years became more and more for, for the three of us. And, you know, we started to sort of look at how do we incorporate this more? There's, there, there are huge benefits to fresh foods and fermentation. So both of those things are great, which is another reason, you know, I like working for green juju so much because we deal in both fresh and fermented and freeze dried and frozen and, and, and all these different avenues for, for doing those things. But fermentation is, um, there's a lot of different types of fermentation, but the fermentation when it comes to, you know, dogs and cats is going to just be the processing of bacteria, but you're not talking about like, you know, alcohol or something like that. You're talking about add either adding bacteria or doing a wild ferment and just making a, a, a area where the good bacteria are able to thrive better based on the pH. Um, and then letting those good bacteria grow. And it's basically just the processing of food through bacteria, the bacteria eating it. And then you get, you know, organic acids, enzymes, vitamins, uh, you know, those friendly probiotic lactic acid bacteria, those wonderful healthy yeasts um, from, you know, things like kombucha and, and you know, um, kefir and things like that. And so it just adds kind of another, a different, twist or new level of bonus to, you know, if you're fermenting gray juju milk or if you're using, you know, Bam's beets or uh, Lewis fermented golden paste, you're just getting an extra level of processing those starches and, you know, getting that all those extra nutrients. And it also helps extend the shelf life, which is why humans started to really do it in the first place. So, yeah, so it can be things like you said, like kombucha, my husband loves kimchi. I, I haven't been able to pull the trigger on that one yet. Um, sauerkraut, uh, all these things. Uh, is there anything else I'm forgetting? I'm sure there's tons of things. I mean, I guess you can ferment a lot of different things. Yeah. I mean, when it comes to uh, plants, uh, plants and, and dairy are, are two of the more easy ones to do. Um, I get a lot of questions about things like bone broth. It's not really possible. Um, that kind of thing. Um but yeah, I mean, you, you kind of covered uh, the myriad there and there's different ways to ferment all of those things, you know, be it wild ferment or inoculating it with something or, or whatever you want to do there. But it's, it's fun. You can do it at home. I got some, yeah. some really cool education coming up on some home stuff, uh, which I, I personally am excited about. I, whenever I sort of come upon an idea that's really easy, but I think can be like extremely beneficial and kind of communicate that to the general public, I get excited about that. So that should be, you know, that kind of stuff is cool. Um, and then, you know, working with my own dog's journey as well and dealing with some, you know, what I thought was, I think seasonal allergies, but now was, uh, yeast and, and working through that and using fermentation and that kind of stuff. So, you know, it all stems from, from 
what we deal with, I think, on a daily basis. So, And that's one of the things that I really love. And, you know, like my own journey with like feeding and caring for my own health is so interconnected with my dogs and, and how I learned how diet can, you know, dietary changes can affect their health. You know, I've seen you talk about, you know, allergies or pancreatitis or, you know, how we can change the diet for our animals to help with these different situations. And then, you know, the light bulb goes off. Oh, maybe, maybe I can help my issues through my diet as well. You know? No, for sure. I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely hand in hand. I, I definitely walk the walk when it comes to, you know, raw foods. I will definitely, uh, I'm going to dinner with my brother tomorrow. We'll definitely be eating steak tartare and, you know, have my, uh, my three raw egg yolks and raw milk for breakfast every morning with my fermented cod liver oil and, and, uh, you know, maples, maples, uh, uh, my daughter was, you know, raised on raw milk formula and drinks raw milk. And so, you know, we definitely have made our own lives a lot better. Um, and, and for me, it came, the dog came first and then my own nutrition kind of like, you know, went into that. And then I, happened to marry someone as well, who is always really into nutrition, you know, as well, and is much smarter than me. So, you know, I can learn, learn a lot from her as well. So. So is there a particular style of eating that you follow? Um, for instance, my husband and I have been doing the keto diet for okay. the last couple of months. And so he's lost like 20 pounds and I'm down like 10 pounds. Um, or, you know, and I've heard of like paleo or Whole30. Like, is there a specific diet that you follow? Uh, not not anything totally specific. What I try to do is, number one, uh, I don't really prescribe to any diets that like completely eliminate whole food groups, let's say, like veganism or something like that. Um, and I also find a lot of value in the actual science behind like animal foods and how they operate in the body and, and a lot of the misconceptions, you know, that cholesterol is bad for you and and that, you know, saturated fats bad for you and all these, um, misconceptions that weren't really science-based to begin with. I have a link to a documentary I'm going to put in the show notes for everyone called Fat Fiction. Oh, there you go. No, it's it's uh, really interesting because, you know, no one eats more cholesterol than me. And with all the eggs, you know, with all the egg yolks I eat and whatnot. And uh, I just actually had a life insurance physical and my cholesterol was, oddly enough, very, you know, normal range. So, you know, it's one of those things. So... I eat as I try to eat as many raw foods as possible, like unprocessed foods. So I'm also on a normal basis when I'm not traveling or something, I'm pretty regimented. So, you know, I'll have that breakfast I mentioned. I might have like a banana in the afternoon, maybe another glass of raw milk or something like that. And then for dinner, Emily right now is on a macros diet, uh, which is working really well for her. And so I just eat whatever she makes and then eat more of it usually. And Basically, what we try to do is, I mean, if, if you could put any guideline behind it, it would probably be like the Weston Price organization uh, in terms of we avoid uh, seed oils, you know, canola oil, any cooking oil, uh, any really any plant oils besides coconut oil and, and uh, um, olive oil or maybe avocado oil as well. But we cook primarily with lard, you know, from a pig that we buy um, that's pasture raised and uh, living in Pennsylvania is amazing because we have access to raw 
butter, uh, the yellowest raw butter you've ever seen. And so we cook a lot with that. And so I would say I'm a, I eat a traditional food diet more than anything else, but I'm also a firm believer in being 95, five or 90, 10, and really enjoying the things that you want to enjoy that are terrible for you. <laughs> I, I like Oreos a lot. I just don't eat them that often. Right. And so, and, and the other thing too, is there are studies that show that if you eat healthy, most of the time, there's less metabolic stress on your body when you don't. So another reason to eat healthy is so you cannot eat healthy. Right. Um, right. Of, uh, you know, like when I go back to Wisconsin uh, to see family, all bets are off when it comes to food. <laughs> I just eat whatever I want. So that's kind of where I fit in, but also I'm just very like, it's during the day, especially I'm just very nutrient based. I'm like, oh, if I eat these raw eggs and drink this raw milk, this will cover every vitamin and mineral that I need for the day. And then, you know, we can kind of go from there. So. So you're mentioning raw milk and, and that can be either goat milk, you know, raw goat milk for the dogs or, or for, for people. And a lot of people are unfamiliar with this concept because when you go to most grocery stores, it's just, you know, pasteurized milk and, and raw milk sounds scary and some states have weird laws about it. Uh, can you tell us like why raw milk is so important and, and how can we find this if we want it for ourselves or our animals? Well, if you, well, I'll start here. So, you know, Green Juju makes the best raw milk uh, in the industry. I personally inspect every farm that we work with to make sure that the goats are ethically raised, um, to, to, you know, verify their pasture, to work with the farmers, but also, you know, our milk is certified for human consumption in the state of Pennsylvania. So it goes through all the human certifications that need to be done to be on a grocery store shelf. Um, but we're selling it for pets. And so if you're looking for it for your pets, it's available all over the country, um, in your freezer. And if you're, really looking for yourself, there's a great website called realmilk.com and they have a lot of farm locators and stuff. Cause I think most people prefer cow's milk when it comes to drinking their own. I, I'm one of them. I like cow's milk for myself. Um, I just, the goat flavor is the only time I can drink goat milk to be honest with you is if it's right out of the milk tank, it doesn't really have that goat taste. Yes. Yeah. You know, give it two days in the fridge and it's back to like, okay, this is goat milk. So I, I, I do primarily, uh, that cow milk. So it's one of the misconceptions is that milk is for that specific baby animal and it's not good for anyone else, but that doesn't make any sense because milk is all milks are made of the same things. Um, the same nutrients and the proteins and fats are just di differing in amounts. Good example. Of that would be when we made my daughter's raw milk formula, we had to add extra raw cow's milk whey because human breast milk has more whey than cow, raw cow's milk does. And so, you know, you're talking about the same types of, uh, things. So it doesn't matter if it's human breast milk or camel milk or cow's milk or goat's milk or water buffalo milk. They're all, um, they're all made of the same things. They just are in differing amounts. And so it is the most complete and balanced food on the planet. Uh, my favorite, one of my favorite things about it is it is the most complex food when it comes to uh, being a fat profile. It has 400 different fatty acids, all of which do different things. We don't even know everything about all of them. So it's, it's just an absolutely incredible thing. You know, it contains every vitamin, every mineral. Um, 
contains so many things that we discover new things every year that we don't even know what they, you know, we don't even know the full scope of it. I've seen dogs live for more than right around or more than five years off just raw milk and water, especially animals that have health issues and, and, you know, dealing with my own dog now who gets who's 25 pounds and his daily ration of milk is eight ounces. Cause I want a lot of his nutrition to be coming from reproductive foods like milk and eggs and, and things like that. You know, I'm, cause I think having worked in, you know, complete and balanced diets, you know, for 12 years, I think that nature truly does do it better. And sometimes we get too into the nitty gritty of, you know, different nutrients and, and that kind of thing. Um, but that's why I think raw milk can be really considered one of the most important foods to ever be introduced to, you know, dog and cat diets because it, it covers up so many, um, deficiencies and, it's not always about the amount of everything. It doesn't have to be like this has a hundred percent RDA of this nutrient or this nutrient, because all those nutrients are going to work better because they're made to be digested and they contain every enzyme and cofactor to help digest the, that those nutrients. So that's another thing that's so hard about animal nutrition is like, yes, you can meet AFCO profiles or you can meet, you know, um, you know, uh, what's the, uh, NRC and think, yeah, yeah, and things like that. But, you know, especially when you're looking at the AFCO profiles, it's not always about the amount. And that's why you see a lot of, you know, synthetic vitamins added at the bottom end of uh, ingredient panels because they're just looking to meet that requirement. But the problem is those, uh, just a quick side note is, you know, when it comes to dogs, there's only one AFCO profile and it's based around, it's a kibble profile. So you have to meet the kibble profile making raw food and it just doesn't work that well, in my opinion, unless you're form formulating a, in a really unique way. And I think the reason why it's so popular is because people see the effects of it and they see their animal turn around from health issues. They see, you know, their animal, their puppy, you know, maintain their good health through the years. And you can, you know, and the, the last thing I'll add about that too is, it has over 200 species of probiotics um, innate in it because obviously there it's trying to set up a gut and an immune system in an animal that, you know, is lacking one. So it has that, it has its own innate prebiotics. It has everything it needs to kind of set up in the gut. And as if you leave it in your fridge, it'll self ferment. You don't even have to ferment it. If it, if it becomes sour, that's just fermentation and that's just those bacteria growing and it's healthier. So it's like those shakes people buy that are supposed to have everything you need, which right. they which they don't because we can't really know that. But milk does. And so, and if we get pasteurized milk, which we've been led to believe is somehow safer, that actually destroys a lot of the nutritional value. Is that right? Oh yeah. Well, every one of those bacteria, you know, denatures all the enzymes. Essentially, there might be some, but uh, all or most of the enzymes, it decreases all of the vitamins to some degree, but especially like fragile ones like vitamin C and that kind of thing. Um, that's why they, um, so that's the first thing. And the second thing is most people drink like skim milk or 2% milk, which is completely pointless. Um, if I'm just being honest, um, because you're, when you take the fat away, you take the fat soluble vitamins away, which is one of the main reasons to drink milk and eat animal products is for the vitamin D content for the retinol vitamin A content for the vitamin E content, for all these things that are fat soluble. And so 
we just really ruined milk. We also started feeding them only grains and worse than only grains, you know, going to AFCO meetings. Um, but like if you're getting, you know, where I live, I have a milkman who delivers my milk every Tuesday and it's a hundred percent grass fed raw A2, A2 cow's milk. And it's delicious. It's another weird misconception. People are always like, is raw milk nasty? And it's like, no, it's delicious. That's why people kept drinking it for, you know, the entirety of since we've been domesticating animals. And so it's just a whole different experience, you know, as a functional food. And it just is really too bad that more people don't have access to it. It's, it's you know, most people don't have time to drive to a farm and uh, it's not like Pennsylvania. I think it's Pennsylvania, California, Washington, where you can buy it on a shelf. But outside of that, you have to, um, you know, buy part of a cow or, you know, you have to go through all these weird loopholes. So I understand, mm -hmm. but the good news is, your dog or cat can have access to it by just going down to your, this is my plug, um, to your local pet store. Just go to our store locator on greetjuju.com. We'll have a link in the show notes. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So you talked about how, you know, living in Lancaster, you have access to all these farms. You know, I feel like as, as people, both for ourselves as well as for our animals, as a society, as a culture, we're very disconnected from where our food comes from. And, you know, I, I got to come and hang out with you for for an afternoon. I got to go visit the goats that make the goat milk for green juju. You know, this was very exciting for me. And um, the county where I live in Maryland is kind of known for agriculture. So like this weekend, Penny, who's snoring next to me on the floor, she and I went and bought our bought meat from the farm where we get our, our meat from and where everything is, you know, grass fed. And I think you had, you mentioned grass fed. Like, why is the, like why is it so important that we pay attention to where our food comes from, to how the animals are treated? You know, why why is this so important to you? And what's so special about Lancaster? Well, what I think is so special about Lancaster, and in, in many ways, is the Amish. Um, I work with a lot of Amish farmers, obviously, um, who get a bad rap to some degree, which is unfortunate because there are some that engage in things like puppy mills and, and things, but let's not let that, you know, color the whole picture of, you know, a group of people. Right. Um, but uh, from that, even in the non-Amish, you get a lot of uh, like polyculture farms. So monoculture farms are like where I grew up in Wisconsin. It's like I do corn and I do soybeans and that's it. Um, polyculture farms are like, I do crops and I do hay and I do chickens and I do pigs and I do dairy. These are much more environmentally friendly ways to run farms and much better, uh, not only for the environment, but also for the products themselves. Um, and also for the people who live on the farms in terms of their gut microbiome and their inoculation. And, you know, you know, I'm, I'm sort of jealous to some degree of, you know, the, uh, some of the farmers I know is their kids, you know, cause Maple lives in a house in the city, but we try to bring her out as much as possible. But, um, so I think that really helps. And also you can go directly to the farmer for so many things here. Like we have this really great store that we go to called Miller's natural foods. And it's kind of like the Amish whole foods. And so you get like a different, uh, it, there's just nowhere like here. And also the soil quality is amazing in this area and so it's it's really really unique and 
you know, on top of that, on a personal note, there's also wonderful restaurants in a really vibrant city for being, you know, a smaller city or a smaller town or whatever. So we couldn't be happier here, but it also helps, you know, for me to be close to where we're sourcing so many things. Like if you look at our BAM Beets, which is purple cabbage and beets, you know, we, we get our stuff from the Lancaster Farm Fresh Co-op, um, which if you go to the Whole Foods here in town, you'll see the same, you know, purple cabbage that goes into Green Juju's uh, BAM Beets um, right there. You know, it's beautiful product. So that I think is a really, you know, important reason, but also just for the raw milk resources as well. We're a very like do what you want state, um, you know, and so they kind of, for the most part, leave farmers alone to, to be able to sell, you know, what they want to sell and that kind of stuff. And so that really makes it hard for us to want to move anywhere else, you know, for that reason. (laughs) And so you've been working with Green Juju now for a little over a year, uh, it's been really exciting just to see all the new products that have come out already. You touched on the BAMS beets. We have the Lewis Golden Paste. Um, can you just tell us a little bit about the Green Juju Company and, and what uh, what your role is there and, and what's going to be coming down the pike for us? Yeah, we've done a ton of new stuff, which has been really exciting. And, and it, you know, I had been um, friends with Kelly Marion, the owner, for, you know, like 10 years before. Um, I tell the story a lot, but I was the first green juju customer in a store and, um, which was all part of my evil plan to become (laughs) vice president of the company later. So she doesn't know that, but you know, I had it all worked out at the time, but we, um, ever since coming on, you know, I, I sought her out to work for her because I saw what she was doing in the industry and saw what she was doing as a formulator and in terms of the quality and, you know, appealing to a broad group of dogs and cats doing freeze dried and frozen. It really appealed to me as well. Um, and so, you know, wanting to help more animals, even the ones that won't go into the freezer and those animals need amazing products as well. But going back to what you were talking about, why is it so important to, you know, raise animals correctly to get the nutrients out of, out of the animal for your animal or for yourself, uh, the correct nutrients and fat, profiles, but also, you know, to give a damn, I guess, for lack of a better term about the animal itself, because people are going to, animals are going to die regardless of what diet you eat because you exist. It's just how the world works. So, you know, I saw in Kelly, her, uh, trying to limit that suffering and, you know, give animals, uh, freedom to engage in natural behaviors and eat what they're supposed to eat and actually be outside. And, and, you know, um, so it was a really good fit and, 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 you know, there's always a little bit of a time when you're trying to figure out, okay, what is my role exactly? But it was pretty seamless when we, you know, and now, you know, we're, I have, I, I, I would say that, you know, that same trust relationship that I've always had with Jacqueline in terms of, you know, there's just three of us. It's just me, her and her personal assistant. So, and, and we operate on different sides of the country. So it's not like we're, you know, punching a clock and being like, you know, doing that aspect of it. She told me when, when she hired me on that she was hiring me on more uh, in a, like a partnership role. So what we do, we both do everything. So whether it's customer service, whether it's uh, marketing, whether it's, you know, formulation. Um, and that's been really the most fun part. It's always the funnest part of my job, but the collaboration in terms of, 
us coming together to make these products, I think have been very uniquely us and, uh, you know, having production facility on the West coast and on the East coast and, and managing that aspect of it as well has been, you know, super interesting. And I think, yeah, I think we've done like eight or nine products in the past, you know, under two years, which is crazy. Um, and we're currently working on something, uh, we're working on, we're always like ideas. I have so many ideas that are, you know, probably not all of them are, you know, super great, but you know, one of the things you learn when you develop products is not everything that's cool or really nutritional is a good product because people have to buy it still, you know, you have to, you know, uh, you have to sort of manage that, but we are working on some really big, cool, amazing stuff right now that you get, you will see next year. And I don't think you'll have to wait, you know, super long. And I think that's going to kind of change the face of, of what we're doing, but hopefully change the face really of the industry and how we look at formulation and, and, you know, feeding animals and that kind of stuff. And that's, I think that's what really drives us. And I, I just want to, you know, reiterate that I'm just trying to add to what Kelly's vision was because she did so many cool things before I got there you know, the, the Bailey's blend and the, and the, um, and the just greens, for instance, are absolutely incredible products for being like almost no calories, but having such a high health effect, being a low carb juiced and then add the pulp back veggie blend. I have them right in the other room. (laughs) There you go. And the way that she formulated that, I mean, it's incredible stuff and it's something I've used for so many years. And so that's one thing I, I always wanted to make clear with her and with people was I'm, I'm really just here to support what she's doing and bring whatever I can bring to that goal and that vision. So if there's one thing you want pet parents to know about feeding their animal, what is it? I would say just do the best you can and do something, you know, it doesn't matter what that thing, you know, don't, you don't have to get bogged down in every you know, argument on a Facebook raw feeding group or something like that. So <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. I, I have no idea my, what I you're talking about. Your reaction. <laughs> That's why I'm not a part of any of them. Um, just do you and do what works for your animal. So if it's adding a can of sardines for your animal, great. If it's just putting an egg on their food, awesome. If it's, if it's getting, you know, green juju, goat milk or one of our blends or our fermented blends, whatever you can do, just do that thing because everyone, you know, I never look at the situation and go, well, I am so obsessed with how I feed my dog. I love my dog more than you do. I really don't. You know, my sister um, is a good example of that. My sister loves, she has two English bulldogs and she loves those bulldogs. And I got her to switch. She said, I'm not going to do what you do, but what is the best kibble that I can feed this dog? Right. So I got her switched to a brand called Carnivore. And that was a huge deal because that's such a better food than what she was doing. Could there be improvements otherwise? Of course there could, which is kind of hilarious because I would send her, you know, stuff for free. But, um, <laughs> but it's one of those, I'm the youngest sibling though. So I'll always be the youngest sibling. So, uh, and I have two very, very smart siblings. So, you know, it's always one of those things. But, um, so, just do anything you can. And, you know, I think you'll have an impact on your pet's health. And most people are looking for something that's convenient. So why not, you know, kind of 
do one of those aforementioned things and it also helps to support, you know, small companies like Green Juju. Well, I'll definitely have links in the show notes so everybody can find out more about Green Juju and where to get their products. Billy, thank you so much for your time today. Absolutely. I'm always happy to, uh, this was kind of fun for me because it was like more about like Lua and the story and stuff, which is, I get to talk about less, I think, than just, you know, like general nutrition. So (laughs) thanks for having me. I mean, Lua was like kind of an internet sensation. (laughs) She was, she was an absolutely incredible dog and, you know, she really was in great health. It was her brain that went. So it was really, she was Mm -hmm. in great health up until she went and she told us it was time and you really can't ask for, for much, but she, you know, taught me and teaches me to this day. So I, I appreciated her. Thanks, Billy. Oh my gosh, that was so much fun. I had so many more things I could have asked Billy about. I really appreciate his time and I'll have links in the show notes so you can find Billy, so you can find out more about the Green Juju Company. They are doing such exciting things over there to help all of our pets with nutrition. Okay, there's a couple things I want to unpack here. One thing I wanted to touch on, and I'm really grateful to Billy for bringing this up, is the Amish. Now, as you know, I've been involved in the animal welfare, animal sheltering community since about 2008. And so if there's one thing that you know about the animal welfare world, it's that they really don't have much love for the Amish because there's a connection with puppy mills. And I also, you know, have thought this myself for a very long time. And I'm not saying it's not true. There definitely are Amish who are involved in puppy mills. And that's why I'm such a big advocate for, you know, adopting and getting animals from rescue or working with ethical breeders like we've talked about before, going through the AKC's breed rescue programs. There's a lot that we can do to make sure that our animals aren't coming from any kind of puppy mill situation. But I do want to make it very clear that not all of the Amish are involved in puppy mills. And there are a lot of Amish people who are really good, really honest, hardworking people who want to do the best things possible for animals. By nature, we don't really know too much about the Amish. They're not all over social media. That's kind of their whole thing, right? To not have technology. So I think that when all we hear are the negative things, you know, there's been articles in, you know, magazines and newspapers and 60 Minutes about Amish puppy mills, but we're not ever really seeing the good people of the Amish because they're not out there kind of promoting themselves. So all we kind of hear sometimes are are the negative. And so I've tried to keep that in mind. And I was really grateful over the summer, Billy invited me up to Lancaster. I got to meet the goat farmers and many of the goats that are producing the green juju goat milk. And they're really big about transparency as a company, both Green Juju and the farmers. The farmers, some of them didn't even know we were coming. It's not like Billy could text them and tell them we were on their way. They were just excited to see him. I saw how much respect they have for Billy and for the companies that he works for, how excited they are about the high quality products that they produce, how much you know care and concern goes into keeping track of the animals. They were asking Billy, is there anything you want us to do better or different? Because they want to produce the highest quality product that they possibly can. And that means caring for the animals in the best way possible. And part of my whole thing as a person and as who I am is about not judging a book by its cover. So I really had to 
tackle this idea in my head that I've had for a long time based on my experiences in the animal welfare world and, and really realize, oh, <laughs> not all of the Amish are, are involved in puppy mill work. Some of them are actually really excited about doing the best things possible for the land, for the community, for the animals to produce the best products possible. And it was very cool to be able to be connected to that way. I've been buying the green juju goat milk. Billy has told me it is the best possible quality for the lowest price point in the market, please. And no matter what you're feeding your dog, it's a really easy way to upgrade their nutrition. And we've mentioned the Green Juju Company. And if you're not familiar with this company, I just wanted to tell you that they have these really awesome vegetable blends. And so if you've ever seen, there's a lot of these like graphics on social media about, oh, you should add, you know, blueberries to your dog's diet and you should add uh, celery and it has all these great benefits and you should add kale or spinach to your dog's diet and you're like oh my gosh how am I supposed to add all of these things to my dog's bowl like this is exhausting uh green juju takes all of the guesswork and all of the hassle out of that you can just buy this frozen container you just thaw it out in the fridge and scoop a couple spoonfuls into your dog's bowls and it gives them all this great nutrition they love the taste because it includes bone broth like turkey bone broth duck bone broth bison bone broth that your dogs already are going to love the taste of so you don't have to worry about them not eating their veggies and this is just another great way that you can upgrade your dog's nutrition if you're in like the Baltimore, Maryland uh, metro area, I will tell you my two favorite places to buy the Green Juju products are at Clippers Canine Cafe in Ellicott City, Maryland, and at Barron's Country Store in Bel Air, Maryland. And you just have to go over to the freezer section and you'll see all the Green Juju products. One of the other things I loved about Billy's story that I hadn't really realized before is that he's all self-taught. And I appreciate that because I am also very self-taught. I did pretty good in school for the most part, but I did not like science. <laughs> like that was like my least favorite of the classes. You know, my degree is in sociology. But what's funny is that through my day job work for the last 20 years, I've had to get really comfortable doing a lot of scientific research and reading a lot of medical journal articles and reading a lot of medical records and familiarizing myself with medical terminology. And so I've had to kind of do like a biology 101, a, a physiology 101 at times to learn everything I need to do to be successful in my day job. And so when I started having some strange health issues over the years, I started doing my own research on that. And then with my dogs, I've done research on everything from, you know, what's the best thing to feed them to what are the best treatments for their health issues? I think as pet parents, there's a lot that we can do to empower ourselves to make the best decisions for our pet's health. One other thing I wanted to mention real quick is that Billy talked about eating according to the principles of the Weston Price Foundation. And I'm going to have a link in the show notes for that organization so you can check it out. If you've never heard of this before, it's really fascinating to read about. I had first stumbled upon this myself about the year 2010. I started having a lot of dental problems. I had a ton of cavities. I had to get a couple root canals and I had always had pretty healthy teeth. And so I was kind of like, what is going on? And I started doing this research about you know, dentistry and holistic dentistry. And that was how I first discovered the work of Dr. Weston Price. And he was a dentist. And in the 1930s, he went on like this kind of like worldwide quest studying the teeth of 
indigenous native tribes in remote areas around the world and found that they had some of the best and healthiest teeth. And it was all down to their diet. And when you read about his findings, you'll realize that the typical American diet is nowhere near what he found to be the most nutrient-dense diet for our bodies and for our dental health. Now, I'm not saying I eat according to these principles, but I have done a lot of work over the years to get a lot closer to it. I'll say it that way. It all starts with just making small changes to move yourself in the right direction, whether it's your own health, whether it's your pet's health. There's a lot that we can do, and I know sometimes it can seem overwhelming when you're just starting out, but it's just a series of small changes that add up in the right direction over time. And I'm always happy to answer any questions. If you want to email me, DM me, you know, I literally geek out and live for this stuff. So that'll do it for this episode of the Believe in Dog podcast. If you like this episode, remember that you can always leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It's pretty much the biggest compliment that you can give a podcaster. And remember to check the show notes to find Billy, Green Juju, and all of the cool things we talked about during this episode. And if anybody knows what book Billy was referencing that was sold at Whole Foods, I'd love to know what that was too. Remember, you can always find me on Instagram at Believe in Dog Podcast with underscores or on Facebook at Believe in Dog Podcast. So until next time, this is Aaron Scott sending you hugs and belly rubs. Believe in Dog Podcast is a production of Hugs and Belly Rubs, LLC.